Coming up on Stu Does America, the riot in the United States Capitol yesterday has rocked many people's political beliefs to the very core. I'll speak with the resurgence Drew Holden about the political shift we're seeing among conservatives. And we now know that the worst case scenario has come true. Democrats will take control of the Senate for the next couple of years at least. Let's take a look at the nightmare scenarios that we are sure to have dealing and be dealing with for the next couple of years. I just can't wait for it to happen. Thank you so much for tuning into our live coverage the last few nights. If you'd like to consume this stupid little show on a continuing basis, just head to studosamerica.com. Make sure to uh, check us out there. All the links are there for YouTube, Facebook, blazetv.com slash stew. All of those things are there. So many options. Check it out. It's been about 10 minutes since CNN has done something stupid and made a mockery of journalism. So let's do Don Lemon and DC. Stew does America. You know, we spend a lot of time pointing out the dumb things that people on the left say and do. And there's a lot of value in that. Number one, it's fun. Number two, I like it. Number three, it's fun. But sometimes it's just better for us to be helpful. Like when the entire left-wing internet starts making a point that is so objectively dumb. It hurts your brain to hear it. When that happens, maybe it's better for us to step in and try to alert them to their own stupidity so that maybe they change course and stop bathing in constant embarrassment. Now, Don Lemon isn't the only one dumb enough to make this point, not by a long shot. Pretty much every left-wing personality is blurting out some version of it. I heard it from Ibram Kendi. Even Michelle Obama's making it today. But it's the unique combination of a really dumb, dumb point, along with the self-delusion of thinking that it's some kind of brilliant observation that makes this so notable. I want the left to be embarrassed, sure. But this is so cringeworthy that I feel almost a charitable obligation to try to stop it. As everyone knows, a group of rioters broke off from a Trump rally and breached the Capitol building yesterday. It was a national disgrace. Full stop. There's no justification for it. It's motivated by criminal activity based on lies, and we should not accept it from anyone, especially from someone that is supposedly on our side. I am unequivocal on that. You know that. The people involved should be questioned and, if guilty, prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. We should send a message to everyone, whether it's occupying the Capitol or, let's say, a building over Brett Kavanaugh or, let's say, a 2011 budget bill in Wisconsin. This is not how you deal with your problems. Stop it, you crazy people. The left, of course has spent my entire life saying that this sort of protest was completely fine. As Chris Cuomo famously said, Now, too many see the protests as the problem. No, the problem is what forced your fellow citizens to take to the streets. Persistent and poisonous inequities and injustice. And please, show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. <sighs> hmm. One of my favorite websites, ChrisCuomoWasWorse.com. But now the left and the media are very, 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 very upset about these specific protests. I mean, they were mostly peaceful. What's the problem? And they're so completely obsessed with race that they are trying to make a racial point on top of all of this mess. Enter Don Lemon, the only guy on earth who seems to think about race more than Richard Spencer. 
Here's Don attempting the mental gymnastics to show that the important takeaway from yesterday was that the cops would have fought back against the protesters if they were another color. Imagine if the people on that Capitol today look like me, Chris. Where do you think we would have been today? It would have been a bloodbath. And that is the truth. Now, Uh, when we say that, you can feel the keyboards moving right now of righty fringe people saying, oh, listen to what Cuomo and Yeah, but you know what? We'll screw them. You know why? Because we have the proof. We saw the proof this summer. Mm-hmm. We happened? saw the proof when, when there, were, there were peaceful protests, and if you don't believe it, we have the video, mm-hmm. of people marching on the Capitol because they wanted prison reform. They wanted police reform. Mm-hmm. They wanted criminal justice reform. Okay. And they were marching. Right. And guess what? What? They were gassed. <gasps> Because the president wanted to march across. They were gassed and, and routinely. And look, here's what we know for sure. Bible for a photo op. Mm, they were gassed routinely. Um, <laughs> it's just so bad. Now, that might strike you as a really dumb point. And it is. But it's important to understand how smart Don Lemon thinks he is while making it. He made a version of this argument several times on TV just last night and even tweeted about it as well. They allow these people to run rampant in Washington, but they gas peaceful BLM protesters. Wow. So I understand that Lemon is using his citrus powered brain to make a few points here. Number one, the the police just let these people run rampant in Washington. By the way, these people, how dare you, Don Lemon? You're calling them these people? Maybe I can call them these people, but not you, Don Lemon. Number two, the police did the opposite when black people were involved. And number three, they even gassed peaceful protesters for a photo op. So let's break this down. Did the police just let these people, these people, run rampant in Washington? How dare you, Don Lemon? Anyway, let's look at how dumb his points are. Here's how the breach of security actually started. Did the cops just let the protesters slash rioters in? Did they just allow them to run rampant? Let's watch. Now watch on the right, you see a police officer trying to hold the barricade together. Keep an eye on her. Uh, Here they are, they're pushing back against the, the officers. Oh, there's the officer down, slumped down against the, against the stairs. This looks like they're just letting him run rampant, doesn't it? Now here comes another officer from from the top of the stairs to whack somebody. Boom! Another one. They continue to push and push and push. Throwing people all around. All to the ground. What a fun afternoon. A quick note on the knockdown officer. Look closely now that her hat is off. Yes, I said that. Her hat. That is a woman. These criminals knocked a female officer into the stairs. Oh, how very alpha of you. Do blue lives matter, do they? Because I'm confused by your actions here, just a tad. I will say they did try to help her immediately, but a little safety tip from Studios America. The best way to help is to not push female officers into the stairs. Hmm. Try that next time. Let's look at another part of the incident. Let's see, uh, Don, and I want to ask Don a specific question. Does this look like the police are letting them run rampant. Let's see. Oh, wow, I see thousands of people breaching barriers. Now, here's the cops hitting someone with a baton while they're on the ground to try to push them back. Uh, Thousands of people continue to push. Uh, They push in. Oh, there's things being thrown at the officers. 
Now they're in fights all across, and um, oh, well, the, the hundred officers or so are trying to hold back thousands. And there's the they've broken the gates now. They're marching towards the Capitol. I don't know. Do you call that running rampant? They seem to be stopping them the entire time, but got overwhelmed. And let's not forget, of course, what Don and Chris Cuomo's predictive summary events was. Imagine if the people in the Capitol looked like me, said Don Lemon. Where do you think we would have been today? And Chris responded, we would have been in a bloodbath, said universally recognized dummy and brother of psychotic elderly killer Chris Cuomo. You know, this whole thing where we act as if the color of their skin would be the motivation of the cops is incredibly lame. We know that about 50 police officers were injured in the riots. Of course, that happens in BLM riots, too, and people like Don Lemon never seem to care about it. But the critique that the cops took it easy on the white people is hurt just a little bit when you realize that they actually shot and killed a white woman in the crowd. The idea that it might be a bloodbath if the skin color was different is complicated by the incredible amount of blood pouring out of the individual who is no longer alive. Since Don seemed to have been very aware of the one or two selfie videos on social media, perhaps he also came across the video of the Air Force veteran bleeding out in the arms of another rioter. And I should add, if you invade the Capitol building, and trample over barricades and cops and break down doors and windows, this is exactly what you should expect will happen. You should expect to be shot. I hope it doesn't happen, just like I wish it didn't happen to her. But it very well might happen, and you should expect it to happen completely. That's just one of the reasons you shouldn't break into federal buildings. One of these videos uh, I mean, it's so bloody, I can't even show it to you. Most of the bloody incidents are too graphic, really, to show you here. But this one happened right outside the building. I'll give you a quick little glimpse when we're talking about a bloodbath. Oh. If you see on the ground right there, fresh blood on the ground and the incident right outside of the building. Now, this is not a case of the police letting anyone run rampant. They were overwhelmed with the scale of the riot and fought as hard as they could. And they fought valiantly, by the way, to stop it. They didn't care about skin color. What about dumb Don Lemon point number two? The police did the opposite of letting them run rampant when black people were involved. Is this true? I mean, did you miss the entire summer, Don? The thing that absolutely amazed me and pretty much everyone I know was that the cops never seemed to show up to stop any of the BLM riots during the summer. Remember Minnesota? Do you remember this? They cleaned out an entire target and no cops showed up to do anything about it. Look at this place. By the way, this guy says there's blood on the walls. There's blood on the walls. Look at this, it looks like they're in Beirut. This guy's stealing a freaking mannequin. He's stealing a mannequin. That's in Minnesota. What about, uh, I don't know. They were setting fires to auto zones. Do you remember that? They let that burn and, st and no one even, forget stopping to get the people who did it. They didn't even put the fire out. In fact, as they were setting fires all over the city, eventually they got to the actual police precinct and you know what the police did? Leave. So everyone could set it on fire. 
Or do we need to remind you, Don, about the time that they set up an autonomous zone in Seattle where white and black alike could completely avoid all laws for a few weeks? And you're complaining about a couple of hours? Well, guess what? I'm complaining about a couple of hours, too. It's completely impossible for me to understand how security was not more prepared for what happened yesterday. What if this wasn't a bunch of weirdo alt-right internet celebrities and QAnon followers, and they were instead an actual invading force with weapons and strategy? It could have turned out as badly as the time that a Bernie Sanders volunteer started firing on a congressional baseball practice, and nobody wants that except the Bernie Sanders volunteer. How about dumb Don Lemon complaint number three? They even gassed peaceful protesters for a photo op. Ugh. He's, of course, referring to Donald Trump's photo op at St. John's Church. If you remember, tear gas and smoke grenades were used to clear a path for the president to cross the street and awkwardly hold a Bible, something that looked as natural as me holding a salad fork. Now, yes, tear gas is a gas. I got it. But to say he gassed his own people is a little over the top, is it not? They were told 20 minutes in advance to move or there might be tear gas. Nobody died. There was no Secret Service genocide to speak of. Was this a good idea? No. Is it totally overblown at this point? Yes. But again, the insinuation is that because these were white Trump supporters, they didn't use tear gas on them. Right? Remember Don talking about that? You'll be stunned to hear that this isn't true either. Here's an actual reporter who goes to the news stories like Don used to back in the day, our own Elijah Schaefer. Here's his tweet. Right near the offices, you can see that the amount of tear gas deployed was so thick, it created a zero visibility situation and actually pushed the crowds away from the main hallways into the office areas where the air was clear and people were able to breathe. Now, you can see the tear gas with your eyes. The people who were there all saw the tear gas. The major networks, all of them, reported that tear gas had been deployed at the Capitol. Here's another shot from the Capitol. As you can plainly see, the tear gas and or smoke grenade is falling into the crowd. There's no doubt or disagreement on this. Those facts just hurt Don Lemon's point, so he ignores them. So no, Don, the police didn't just let these people, how dare you say that, run rampant in Washington. The police didn't do the opposite when black people were involved. And tear gas was used extensively in the Capitol yesterday. But other than being 100% wrong on all of your incredibly dumb points, you did a great job, Don. Congratulations. So did you know that the uh, average American has 97 points they can add to their credit score and have absolutely no idea how to get them? Scoremaster is the new credit science that super boosts your credit score. The average Scoremaster user raises their credit score 61 points in 20 days or less. Think about how much money that can mean to you. If you're, we'd say with score was in the 500s, brought up to the mid 600s when you brought a car. If you got, bought a car, when you go to a Scoremaster and you raise your credit score, just the 61 points, that's the average that our listeners get, you could have saved nine grand on a loan. Scoremaster puts you in control of your finances, not the banks. Enroll in minutes and see how many plus points Scoremaster can add to your credit score. I've gone through this process, it's nice and quick, it's nice and easy, you get an easy way to see how many points you can add in your credit score and they walk you through every bit of the process when you wanna, when you wanna uh, hike that credit score up. Visit scoremaster.com slash 
stew. The slash stew part of the address is important because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Scoremaster.com slash stew. Scoremaster.com slash stew. I'm joined once again by the resurgence, Drew Holden. Drew, thanks for coming on the program. Stu, pleasure's mine. Appreciate having me back on, sir. Uh, it's a crazy freaking time right now, man. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, this is bizarre. Can you give me your kind of 50,000-foot view of what happened yesterday? Yeah, I mean, it's. I guess the 50,000-foot view is that what we saw yesterday at the U.S. Capitol, it, it was really shameful. We saw a protest that got started by all means under legal auspices that raged out of control. Uh, We saw the Capitol get broken into. We saw senators, members of Congress who were very obviously threatened by what was going on. We saw the function of our democracy deliberately upset by people um, who were playing sore losers. And, you know, so after all of the, the time you and I and plenty of others have spent criticizing what happens when you have a protest and it becomes violent and it becomes infused with lawlessness, to see a bunch of conservatives go out and do that, uh, I I think shameless and shameful is really what what comes to mind. And I think it's, you know, important, as you point out, to separate. I know there's a lot of people who were there doing a normal protest and that's Mm -hmm. all they did. And they they walked away afterward and it had nothing to do with this. There's a lot of people in that position. Um, But the people who actually did this, it really was shocking. Obviously, the imagery of it is one thing. And I think it's a big part of it. Um, But I think another part of it was just it was so foreign, at least to me, to see, quote unquote, our side of the aisle participating in this nonsense. I mean, we've seen this over and over again from the left, but I can't remember a case of it like this uh, on the right. And I mean, Stu, we've been saying this for years, right? It's it's when the left loses, they riot. When the right loses, they get we get upset, right? We get frustrated. They've, it always used to be, oh, well, they burned Obama in effigy that one time at that one Tea Party rally, right? That's kind of the worst when you think about the way the conservative movement in a lot of cases has responded to these things. And it gave us an enormous amount, I think, of moral high ground to be able to criticize people who were lawless, who were who were violent, who were who were threatening other people in order to try and get their way. And Stu, I think yesterday we absolutely gave up, if not all, then certainly just about all of that high ground. We seem to be on a never ending quest to give up the high ground, which is <laughs> not what you're supposed to uh, do. You know, uh, I, I, it's true. true. I mean, we were very involved in the in the Tea Party era. We you know, did rallies and we would go when we did the one on, at the Capitol uh, in, in Washington. I mean, we left that place cleaner. Yeah. And when we got there, people are exactly people were there, American citizens picking up trash and cleaning up yep. the grounds. And then to yep. watch this happen, it, it is really I mean, it is a, a national disgrace. And it is yes. it's something that we must take seriously. I completely agree. And, and Stu, you know, I think in a lot of ways it, it will be a crucible for the conservative movement. We, I'm sure that phrase has been overused and butchered throughout Trump's inauguration and well before and lots of things that he's done since. But, but really, in a lot of ways, I think because of that, it does show the way that the conservative movement, not just in tone and tenor, but in terms of the way that it, it profiles to the outside world, has changed dramatically and changed enormously. And there's plenty of reasons, surely, for that. Uh, but but it really does, I think, symbolize something incredibly dark and incredibly scary. Uh, and, you know, I think at the end of the day, too, not not to get too too cold and political about it, but I don't think it's going to win American hearts and minds. 
Yeah, it's it, it's not right, and it it doesn't work. <laughs> right, just yeah, a side right. effect because honestly, it doesn't matter if it works or not. But that's still part of it. Uh, let's talk about Trump here for a second, because sure. you know, look, we would both agree. I think that you know he's done some really good things that we we think mm-hmm. were good policy decisions and some real positive things. Some other stuff Absolutely. I'm not a big fan of. Um, I, I, I starting with this, I, I, I hesitate in, in major ways, having gone through this myself uh, and, and with Glenn in the show over the years when mm-hmm. Glenn has gone on the air and talked about like the Tides Foundation and be critical of the Tides Foundation. Sure. And then some nut job that didn't even watch the show goes out and does something terrible and says the words Tides Foundation. And it's, right. you know, years and years of Glenn getting blamed for whatever violence he was planning. You know, it, right. I really hesitate and I, I don't like to do the type of thing where you're like, well, people are like, well, Donald Trump is the cause of this. Uh, how right. do you how do you figure that out? How do you sort that out? Yeah, you know, I think I think your your hesitancy here is right. Um, I, I think that there has been, you know, for for naked political reasons, a, a rush to tie Donald Trump to all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I think the reason behind that is obvious, right? There's a whole bunch of guys who are carrying Trump flags, who are breaking into the Capitol. The imagery there, I think, unfortunately for him, is is quite set. Uh, and I don't think it's like you know, if you want to talk about something like incitement, I don't mean in the legal sense, just in the general sense. Um, I think it can be hard to say, you know, he he obviously wasn't leading them on horseback into the Capitol. Right. Right. <laughs> but, but all of that is to say that I do think that this entire sequence of events, particularly yesterday, is inextricable from the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. I do think that Donald Trump's decision to go there that morning, right, to go to the rally that morning and say, we are going to march. I am going to march with you and we're going to march down there and we're going to cheer for some people and not cheer so loud for some other people of a crowd who he knows is angry who uh, many of whom surely were armed, right? There, there are reports now that there were armed protesters who were arrested inside of the Capitol building. Mm. That the idea that this could happen without him seems very, very difficult for me to square because he's not just the leader of these people, right? He is someone who has said time and again since the election that this was fraudulent, that this was fake, that we need to take back our country. And you know what? A lot of people decided that he was right and they were going to take it into their own hands to go out there and do this. Yeah. I mean, we saw explosive devices found in in various areas around the city. Right. There's some scary stuff there. And like part of me, because he did say the thing about marching. Um, He never, you know, I heard that was summarized. I think it was by the Wall Street Journalist. He basically told everyone to storm the Capitol. Well, he didn't. He didn't say that. That's that's, it's overdoing it. Um, But I think I think the issue here that I have more than anything else is not even that uh, the speech or even the comments afterward, which weren't really like saying, get the hell out of the building, which is what they should have said. This has been weeks and weeks and weeks of this where, uh, you know, there are legitimate complaints about the election, I think, in the way some of these laws were applied almost exclusively Mm -hmm. before the election took place. Uh, And those are real questions and things that we need to sort out. Um, But many of these claims of fraud are just blatantly false. And Donald Trump's not an idiot. I think he knows a lot of these things are blatantly false. He may believe he still won the election. He may just think no. I mean, every friend I have says there's no way Joe Biden could have got 81 million votes. I understand. Sure. Yeah, I understand. it. But, you know, to beat this into the ground, to say that not only that he won, but he won by a landslide and everyone knows it. Right. You are you're talking about some uh, an action that, if true, probably would justify doing these things. 
And that's the thing, Stu. I mean, I agree with you. I think I think it's really hard to take and, and tie any specific thing he said to this. But throughout the thread of everything he said before, during, after, while these people are inside the Capitol has been, this was stolen from me and you know it. Right. And so I I, I think one of the things that can get lost, right, that the, the trees getting lost a little bit or in the trees being lost for the forest here a little bit is that he has said that the election was stolen from him. If you believe that, if you firmly, truly believe that, be it Trump or anyone else, there is exactly one way to resolve it. And a lot of people took it in their own hands to attempt to do it yesterday. Yeah. And that's, and, you know, and, and it's horrifying. There is part of the system that is built to deal with this. I mean, we talked to right. the attorneys when this first happened. They all assured us they had all the evidence they needed. It would all yep. be overturned before the election. We looked at this happen and it, it, they didn't have what they promised to have. And I, I understand that there's a lot of people around Trump telling him that this stuff is going to happen. I, I don't know. Yep. I, it's, it's really difficult. Uh, to deal with. But we do have a system. The Constitution right. has dates written in it and we're there. And I think yep. to 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 look at this any other way than um, at, at the very least cynical people around the president or the president right. being cynical, which maybe a, he is occasionally. Uh, I, 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 I can't think of another way yeah. to get to this. I mean, I, I, I feel bad because I think people there's a lot of people out there who, who really do believe the, yeah. the craziest fringes of these theories. But I mean, there's right. just not a there there. Exactly, Stu. And, and, you know, there are so many different legal remedies for something like this, right? If it were true, if it were even close to true, then it would really beggar belief that the Supreme Court has rejected it outright, that it's been laughed out of courts across the country, that every state in this country has certified their elections, and that no one is willing, no one in a position of power other than the president and a few members of Congress are willing to make this claim. And I think this is what makes, you know, the language and the conspiracy around this so dangerous and so threatening that for all of these things to be true, right, for all of this to be the case, then it gets really thorny and really crazy really, really quickly. And if all your options, if everyone's in on this massive conspiracy and you're telling your your supporters that day in and day out, what do you expect they're going to do, the ones of them who actually believe you? Mm. Uh, let me run by a, a little pet theory of mine that I applied also to the BLM sure. sort of riots of the of the summer, which is mm-hmm. how much of this do you think is unique about this year under covid? There's yeah. so much stress, so much tension. So many people have had their jobs r- ripped out. People are dying around them. This circumstance just just leads to a, it. It's a very flammable situation. Yeah. The, absolutely. And I think some of that is, you know, it's there's there's frustration, there's anger, there's mental health consequences to all of these different things. Um, but, you know, so I think one of the things that also drives this is that uh, left, right and center, there's almost this ambient sense of unfairness mm. that not just that the deck is, is rigged against you. Right. Not just that the things around you are their usual variety of not fair, but that right now we're living through a moment in time where things are uniquely bad are uniquely unfair and that you have no other recourse. All of your normal options for recourse are gone. They're out the window. That I do think makes people, uh, you know, unfortunately a little bit desperate, particularly when you layer that over all of the mental health concerns, all of the the social, like, you know, the, uh, our society is fraying, not just at the edges, but across the whole carpet these days. Yeah. And I think that all of those things become, make this already flammable situation that much more combustible. Uh, let me hit you with, with one more, because I, I, you know, I, I did a rant today on on Don Lemon and and this sort of 
point that yeah. everyone on the left is making that, oh, well, if it was black people, everyone would have been shot or, you know, this. It's, it's right. so irritating. And I yeah. know I realize that it is not the most important part of this story, but right. it is really frustrating. You live in this world where you talk about media hypocrisy quite a bit. And you had a really thoughtful yeah. thread, I thought, on Twitter today about just examining how we're thinking about this and processing it. But right. there is this really frustrating part as a conservative yeah. to see this love and hearts and blowing kisses to every protest that's burning down a target. And, you know, way more people died in those protests than died yeah. yesterday. And yeah. the reaction here, as if it is, you know, it's a, it's, you know, it's an action movie of, of an insurgent, uh, you know, coup. Th- the right. reaction's so inconsistent. It's, 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 it's intolerable in some ways. I, I agree. I agree. You know, I, I think that one of the important things in all of this that we touched on a little earlier is the symbolism of it, right? The, the, Yesterday was just so, and deliberately so, but it was so rife with symbolism that I think that it, it probably pulled out some reactions that were unfair. That's one category of this. Uh, I think there are a lot of people in the media who are genuinely disinterested about the bad behavior of the people who they agree with or are sympathetic to. No one in that crowd yesterday, other than the, I don't know, I hear there's like three Antifa people who snuck in or something, but maybe other than those oddballs, mm-hmm. the media is not sympathetic to any of those people, right? There's the, there's a little bit of the hillbilly elegiizing, I think, of what's what's going on here, yeah. where they're, they look at these people and their grievances and their frustrations, and they say they're not worth much of anything. They It wasn't even worth electing Donald Trump in the first place. So of course it can't possibly be worth this. Um, and, and it's not fair. And I think a lot of conservatives look at it and say, why should should I care what you're telling me about this event? And I'm, I'm trying, I'm struggling, I'll be honest, but I'm trying to be empathetic to the idea that they have burned not just their general credibility so badly, but their specific and recent credibility when it comes to lawlessness and, and illegal protests, um, that it's hard not to roll your eyes. Yeah, uh, that's where I am. I'm going to continue to roll my eyes and uh, make sure I uh, keep following everything you're doing. I'm sure you're going to have some there's going to be some good media hypocrisy threads. I'm sure that come out of this eventually, uh, even though I hate to torture you going through all of the old ones, uh, (laughs) through all the the resurgence. Make sure to follow him on Twitter as well, where you get all this great stuff. Uh, Drew, thanks for coming on the program. Stu, pleasure's mine, sir. Appreciate having me on. All right. uh, Back in a second. So we have the results from Georgia. Been a little clouded uh, in tear gas over the past couple of days. We haven't really talked about it that much. But to review, uh, Kelly Leffler lost uh, to Raphael Warnock, an, uh, really an extremist. It's amazing he's going to the Senate in Georgia. Uh, and then John Ossoff was able to defeat uh, Purdue. And there we are. I mean, that's a big it's a big deal. Uh, This is going to give 50 seats to the Democrats, the absolute minimum they can have to have the majority, but they will have the majority uh, with Kamala Harris being the uh, deciding vote uh, in the Senate. It's a big deal. It's going to make our lives a living hell uh, over the next couple of years. I will say 2022 has a Senate map that isn't ideal. It's going to be hard to gain control, but hopefully uh, the American people wake up over the next two years and give some sort of uh, ability for Republicans, uh, maybe see the House, uh, to stop what the Democrats are doing. That's gonna, it's going to be interesting to see the way that Biden plays this, because if he goes super aggressive, he might get some of these big things done, but then he might very well lose control in just a couple of years. That's kind of what Obama tried to do. Uh, on the other hand, he could try to be more basic. He could go and get things done that he thinks he can get through with some Republican support. 
and maybe he's moderated enough that he doesn't get the hate vote in the first uh, president's midterm, which usually happens to everybody. Uh, So we'll see if that happens here. Um, We were talking a little bit about what could happen now. Now that they have control of the Senate, the House, the presidency, what can happen? There's a few things that can happen pretty darn easily. And they're the types of stuff that I think they're going to try to do first. Uh, Number one, probably the easiest thing to get done, and they will probably do this first, is going to be tons and tons of COVID cash. That's right. Uh, The $2,000 check that we just talked about uh, before uh, the Senate election in Georgia, the runoffs, that $2,000 check probably going to become a reality with the Democrats in. Obviously, they don't care about just giving away cash. They don't care about printing money. They never have. It's always been the Republicans that have tried to restrain that at least a little bit. Uh, With no restraints, that will go through. And certainly there'll be very little uh, appetite to stand up and really stand against uh, 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 more COVID money. Uh, you know, I don't think you're going to have, you may get a filibuster, but you probably can clear 60 votes with a bill like that. That is going to be probably in the trillions of dollars. I mean, it's going to be a big bill and lots of other stuff will be jammed into it. There will be turtle tunnels. Uh, there's going to be loop-de-loops for mice to get exercise. You're going to have uh, grasshoppers on treadmills being filmed in flo- slow motion. Uh, all these things are going to happen. <laughs> all this money is going to be spent. A lot of pet projects will be jammed in there. But also a lot of money for businesses, a lot of money uh, for loan programs, a lot of money for um, uh, for individuals. And I will say, I keep coming back to this and no one no one cares, but we should really, really try to come up with a way to improve the data collection in the uh, country when it comes to a pandemic that we're dealing with right now. And maybe we'll deal with another in the future. And secondarily, the focus of this bill, while, yes, it should it should deal with the ramifications of the past, but it should also have a very defined plan on how we're going to not go through this again. Like I there needs to be a way that when we have some terrible pandemic that begins, we're not like, oh, man, we should make some masks. Can we get the guy, the guy from my pillow to make some masks for us because we don't have any that can't happen again. And that sort of stuff should be in the bill. It's a type of thing the federal government should actually be prepared for. To me, that's national defense. Uh, it's, uh, I want the government to do like four things. This is one of them. So don't just talk about, hey, we closed all these businesses down, so we have to ha- dish out money. You need to do that. But in addition, make sure the data collection's better. Make sure, I don't know, people are working weekends during a pandemic so they can report all the deaths that happen. Uh, these are not crazy ideas. They really should get together with people like universities and and data scientists, data reporters. Uh, There's been a lot of really great individual efforts to make sure the covid numbers come through on a daily basis. Almost none of them have been official and people are just making them up as they go. It's just the free market in action, which is great. But there should be a little bit more of an infrastructure so that this stuff can be repaired and analyzed that like that day. You need to know what's going. It's a pandemic. You need to know what the hell is going on. And that's been a difficult struggle throughout this whole thing. Um, You're also going to get probably some sort of infrastructure bill. Now, you remember Infrastructure Week, famously from the Trump administration. You're going to get more, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars on something like that. Again, they're looking for stuff that they can pass without getting rid of the filibuster, the easy stuff. Uh, Also, you can be you can promise you're going to get a tax hike. 
They don't even need the filibuster to go away for that. They don't need to get to 60 votes. All they need to do is use reconciliation and they can raise your taxes. So they're going to do it. Your taxes are going to go up. I'm, I'm, I'm sad to say, uh, barring some sort of uh, mental awakening uh, by, by Joe Biden, which I do not expect at 78 years old, a tax hike is going to come. We just have to try to limit how bad it's going to be. Then you get into that middle ground. Um, they will try to do things, I think, uh, on the climate, on uh, health care, on uh, big tech. I think they will try to figure out ways to limit your speech. You're seeing some of that happening already, certainly from the tech companies. They're going to put lots of pressure on the tech companies to either do the sort of uh, editing and uh, suppression of speech that they want done, or they're going to come after them with a big bill. And there's a lot of Republicans that will jump on board with that. Guns is another one, and I think they will try to do that even without the filibuster gone. I don't know that they can get to 60 votes, though. That's going to be a challenge. We'll see if that happens as well. And then there's the big ticket items. The first thing they need to do to get any of these crazy big ticket items we've been talking about for a while is to remove the filibuster. If you don't know what the filibuster is, basically think of it as instead of needing 50 votes, they need 60 votes. It's basically all it is. So this would prevent uh, a, a bill like, let's say, packing the Supreme Court from going through. If the Democrats were able to get enough votes, they could wipe out the filibuster. Now, they only need 50 votes to wipe out the filibuster, and that means, you know, it's a free pass for them to pass basically every crazy thing they want to pass. Joe Manchin, senator from West Virginia, who is the most moderate, he has the most moderate voting record, uh, he has said he does not want to go down this road. He doesn't want the filibuster gone. He doesn't want the, the Supreme Court packed. He doesn't want a bunch of new states. He doesn't want the Electoral College going away. I don't think he's on, ba- on the bandwagon for that one. These big ticket items. And he says he's not going to do that. Now, I don't trust Joe Manchin at all. I don't trust him at all. If the Democrats have 49 votes on any of these bills, I think he'll come on board to be the 50th vote. The question is, can you get to 49 votes with something like eliminating the filibuster? That's a big deal in the Senate. I mean, people like Joe, even like people like Joe Biden, who have been there for 542 years. You know, if you're an institutionalist, um, you know, you saw this with Mitch McConnell, right? You know, he, he's the same way. If you're an institutionalist and, you, and you, you believe you love the Senate, the filibuster is one of those unique things about the Senate. You, you'd think it would be difficult to get to, to 49 votes. But if they get to 49 votes... Do not depend on Joe Manchin to block this, you know, especially if there's a big event like the one we had yesterday is the type of thing. Something like that happens. All these rules get broken. Oh, I know I said before I wasn't going to go after the filibuster or pack the Supreme Court. But look at what is happening to our country. I mean, we can't. We have people breaking into the Capitol. We've got to take common sense measures. And if the Republicans won't get on board, we have to get rid of the filibuster. Get yourself prepared for that speech over and over again uh, if they don't get their way. Uh, And those are the big ticket items. I, again, do not trust Joe Manchin as far as I could throw him. If they need his vote, they will get it. Joe Manchin's moderate voting record is based on times when uh, when when there's when the the Democrats have 42 votes and they have no chance of passing on it passing a bill. He'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm with the Republicans on this one. If the Republicans have 58 votes and they have no chance of stopping a measure, Joe Manchin might be on board with the Republicans on those things. He'll say things culturally about guns and and culture war issues and such that sound somewhat conservative sometimes. But he is not dependable. He's not a moderate in reality. 
And he's the type of guy that will get rolled over by the Senate if they need him. He will do favors for Chuck Schumer if needed. Uh, So I'm very nervous about that. Pretty sure about the tax hike and the infrastructure and the COVID stuff. Pretty sure that's going to happen. Less sure about stuff like guns and climate, but I do think they'll try very hard. And then the big ticket items, I think, are long shots. I mean, they're long shots kind of piled on top of long shots in some circumstances. So maybe we can avoid the worst things there. And of course, Biden will do a lot of that stuff himself through the presidency. It's going to be a rough couple years, boys and girls. Not going to be fun. Not going to be enjoyable. You are not going to like it. Find other things to make you happy other than politics, uh, because the next couple of years of politics are going to be rough. But you need to pay attention. We need to be there to fight back. Uh, make sure we make the arguments that are needed uh, and make sure that, uh, you know, uh, they don't turn this country into this sort of socialist nirvana they seem to want to make it into. Back in a second. Well, soon the, the Senate's going to get rid of the filibuster and then just make home ownership illegal. But until then, trying to buy or sell a home in these times can be challenging. That's why I need a real estate agent who you can trust. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go. In the middle of the, the whole pandemic situation, uh, you might have uh, half your city on fire at any given moment. It's a crazy time to do anything, especially trying to go from house to house to house with a real estate agent. You, you want to make sure you're really maximizing your time. Your time is valuable. You know, if you're in California, they probably don't even let you out of the house yet. You want to go when you're actually going to find a home to live in. You better like it because <laughs> apparently we're all going to be inside for quite a long time. Realestateagentsitrust.com is Glenn's company. You can be rest assured that uh, he's going to. Uh, make sure all of this stuff, and he's been doing this for a long time now, but to make sure all of this stuff is lined up for each and every real estate agent that is on the website, screen your real estate agents uh, without any of the work of screening a real estate agent. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Get more information at realestateagentsitrust.com. Check it out now, realestateagentsitrust.com. I can't believe I'm saying this. Bitcoin hit 40,000 today. It was 3,800 in March. It's now 40,000, the first time ever. Uh, lots and lots of money. Lots and lots of like poker players from a few years ago are now billionaires. <laughs> that's how that's happened. Um, now, that does not make them uh, the richest person in the world, however. Um, now, I will tell you, the richest person in the world, of course, Jeff Bezos, owner of Amazon. Elon Musk is pretty rich, too. Uh, he started the year uh, with about $27 billion. He was uh, barely in the top 50 richest people in the world. However, Tesla's had a really good year. I don't know if you followed their stock price, but it's gone up and up and up and up every day, 5 10 15 percent. It's been re- completely ridiculous. Uh, now he is uh, past Warren Buffett. That was in July, and that made him the seventh richest person. In November, he passed Bill Gates to become the second richest person on Earth. And now Musk has gained more wealth over the past 12 months than Bill Gates' entire uh, fortune of $132 billion. Uh, Today, he passed Jeff Bezos of Amazon, Elon Musk, the most wealthy person in the entire world. Amazing. Back in a second. I want to tell you about a new show in Denmark that you might enjoy. Uh, it's about John Dillerman. It's for four to eight year olds. So it's a little bit, you know, it might be for young people. Um, John Dillerman, by the way, if you don't know uh, the language, a Dillerman literally means penis man. 
This is a real show for kids. Uh, it is uh, the man with the world's largest, or excuse me, longest penis, who overcomes hardships and challenges with his record-breaking genitals. He uh, rescue, performs rescue operations, etches murals, hoists a flag, and even steals ice cream from children. There is a controversy over this. You'd think, hey, what about a show about a penis? Is maybe No. They're just saying um, they're worried about it with the Me Too implications to teach kids about Me Too. Uh, this quote's great, though. Um, when a woman tells uh, on the show tells him that he should keep his penis in his pants, for instance, he listens, which is nice. 